Hello and welcome to A Your Right Pal by me, Roscoe Burns, a podcast dedicated to men chatting about their mental health. The podcast is a way for men to share, to discuss and be open about their mental health. Listeners are advised that some of the topics may be triggering with potential mentions of addiction, self-harm, abuse and suicide. With that being said, I feel these topics are important to talk about and to share. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Your Eight Pal. Hey everyone and welcome to a new episode, which is a bit different for me this time. My usual guests are usually in my flat, but today he's remotely in sunny Gurban. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to Ollie Green. How are you doing, Ollie? Uh, I'm good. Do you really want to ask that question and open them? But that can of worms. But no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, we'll I'm get fine. into. We'll, get, we'll definitely get into that. But are you doing good today? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I've been in a good headspace today, and I got um, ID'd, so I'm feeling good about myself today. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Well, I, was, I mean, I've not been ID'd in years, so I would never... Well, nor have I. It's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm 30, 35, and she was like, oh, are you 18? I was like, here's my ID. Please take my ID. I'm in love with a lady now. She's very nice. Oh, so we haven't actually met in person, but you'd heard the first episode that I did with Darren, who we mutually know. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. yes. And very then good you... Darren's like a very good friend of yours and yes. then you contacted me on Instagram and you know through conversations through messenger as well I knew pretty early that I would be more than happy to have you as a guest just from the limited time that we had spoken because I feel or I did feel that there was like a lot that we both could talk about so that's why I'm so happy to have you on so yeah uh, honestly it's what you're doing is so amazing it's so good to have like a platform for for guys especially to to be able to speak about these things and yeah you've you've mentioned it in episodes yeah the episode before that uh, actually it's 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 not something that we do as men so cool. so having this space is amazing so I, I i think it's great so yeah well done on that thank you no definitely you know i probably will mention it on each episode about how important it is it's just purely because it is you know, I could say it repeatedly. It's just one thing that we really want to kind of continue is this almost people withdrawn from actually speaking about how they feel. I don't know how you feel yeah. about that. No, especially men. Sure. Especially men. For sure. And it's, it's so interesting because everybody has uh, their own story and their own sort of struggles and troubles and life experience and stuff so although it's genuinely the same topic it's mm-hmm. it's not it's different no. it's coming from different people so i think um i, ju- I just think it's a really uh, a nice space that you've created thank you and it's absolutely what you said you know it's different perspectives of maybe the same topic but those perspectives can be completely different and that's what I find interesting oh a hundred percent and I mean I work in mental health services as well so okay. I have a, that perspective as well so uh, nothing shocks me at all no. um, uh, but sometimes we neglect ourselves when we're looking of after course. other people absolutely absolutely and I think that's one thing that I've not highlighted is that sometimes we do tend to forget about ourselves especially in that field but also when 
my last guest was talking about being a fixer, how he likes to fix people. And I think that can relate to that. If you have that personality of trying to fix other people's problems, you almost, you know, abandon your own sort of thing. And oh, re- definitely, especially you, if you, you empathise with somebody's yeah. situation. You want to make it better. Def- like definitely. You want to make them well. So it's, Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a good part of human nature. Yeah. So what kind of topics or, or topic or topics are you wanting to discuss tonight? So, yeah, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the sort of the key points sort of in my life that have kind of had a massive effect on me that I didn't necessarily know when I was a bit younger. So it was only when I was an adult that I kind of sat back and reflected on some things. So I wanted to talk about strained family relationships. Okay. Um, I also wanted to talk about the LGBTQ plus community, uh, sort of where I fit in and where my mental health sits with that. This sounds quite heavy as a as a topic title, but uh, did I want to die? Question mark is a is another one. Alcohol and substance abuse and society yeah. and mental health as well. So. A broad range <laughs> yeah and i think they all kind of well some of them will interconnect with each other you know oh for sure so i will definitely open the floor for you now to discuss whatever you want to talk about first question i usually ask is was there like a pivotal moment or was there a, a time where you felt like your mental health took a really dark turn or you needed you knew you needed help for sure there was a there was a period in my my life uh late 20s early 30s when I did some serious sort of reflection on the past and I was a bit lost in direction for the future as well which sort of led me on to confronting some of these strained family relationships that I had when I was younger and how much they did have an effect on me and I didn't realise it Mm -hmm. until I started sort of going into that very uncomfortable box <laughs> and digging stuff out so yeah with the with the strained family relationships now it's it's a tale as old as time isn't it and it's hugely stereotypical that uh, people with trauma uh, have mental health issues later on in life but I think that we usually identify trauma as something being one sort of catastrophic event yeah but we rarely see it as kind of like a drip feed of like mm-hmm. long-term behavior from somebody. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what, that's what I experienced. So there's, there's not one thing that I can pinpoint, but there's definitely a long-term uh, strained relationship with my father. Again, mm-hmm. very stereotypical. <laughs> it's uh, you, you get those emos that are mad at their dad. And <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so, um, and it still is me to a, to a degree my my father is a very difficult character and, and has been my whole life uh, okay. he was a he was a lot older when he had me so he was 42 oh, when wow. he had me uh, we were family number two so so we've also got that two generation gap right, between okay. us yeah as well i mean the guy was born in 1940s britain yeah like yeah. you think how different the world is now oh absolutely yeah. to that so he was never the most warm or loving person um he could be really cold and he was quite an intimidating man mm. he was in the paratroopers he was an army guy like quite <laughs> tough tough man but when i was a kid i kind of didn't know i didn't know anything different so no. I, I just thought that's that's what dad's 
That was what well, all men and all dads were like, in a way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, he... I just remember him being very feisty. He would always get into really inappropriate situations. Like he'd start fights at like family weddings and he would get like road rage when we were in the car, like as mm-hmm. kids. And like, these are the people that are meant to protect you yeah, as, of a, course. as a child. And, and teach you. And teach you, yeah, for sure. But when you're in that situation, and you, you're younger, I just, I, I, I didn't realize that it was so wrong yeah <laughs> until i got older and became like a man myself i mean i'm not a father but you're you're, you're, you're more aware of what should have happened and how things should have had changed yeah for sure for yeah. sure i mean the, the guy would play like mind games very mm. manipulative kind of kind of guy like he'd come in oh sorry we'd come in from school and he'd just sort of randomly tell us that me and my brother weren't related, which was not true at all. But he would tell us that he was mad at my mum and he was gonna like this is heavy stuff, by the way, sorry. No, 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 there you <laughs> it's go. um so he, he used to tell us that he was gonna murder my mother if she mm-hmm. pissed him off. And it was just really heavy to take as a kid. Of course. <laughs> like and then I didn't realise the damage that that had done. And I, I, I don't want to blame anybody for my mental health issues when I'm older. But oh. I do truly believe that my relationship with men has been affected from this point. By, from, I, from your relationship with your father, in a way. For sure. I'm very non... I don't trust mm-hmm. a lot of men. I find them quite intimidating. Yeah, uh, yeah he's... He's a, he's a, he was a hard character to have in my life and, and having that strained relationship still affects me now. Even as a, a 35 year old guy, I yeah. still have a relationship with my dad. I still talk to him. Okay. Probably doesn't deserve it. <laughs> but, Can um, I ask I a do. question? Yeah, no, ask away. Ask so away. obviously one thing is, did you say he had a military background? Yes. Yeah. Do you think, and again, it's not, an excuse, but do you think a lot of his behaviours or the way he was was due to being in the military or that institutionalised kind of mindset that they get when they're... I, I think that played a part in it. Um, but it's not I, to fully explain the reason why he was Yeah, he I was. mean, I did, yeah. I did do some research and stuff because I was like, why Why is this chap, why is he like this? Do you know did you ever I mean? ask him? Was, well, I did find out, I sort of did some digging. Okay. And he, he had trauma from his childhood. Okay as well so his parents died when he was quite young he was homeless for a while he sort of got in the army and got himself kind of sorted out in a way but obviously that 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 trauma of being passed from foster home to foster home to foster home not very nice people he watched his mum i mean he was a child he watched his mum die at the age of like 35 Uh, she was 35 sorry and um so obviously that's gonna he kind of had to drag himself up Mm-hmm. So, although the cycle could have been broken, yes, of course, I mean? of course, yeah. Um, and I, I, I've sort of said this. Uh, I've talked about the strained relationship with my father, and my mother is the complete opposite. She is like the the nicest person mm-hmm. you will ever meet, and yeah. it's it's very weird. I mean, they're they're separated now, and um, you know, when you look at two people, you're like, how were you ever together? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, of course, it's yeah. it's very very strange but even even now after doing sort of all this soul searching and kind of taking a step away from it all 
he is the one person in my life that can still make me feel like a scared little boy and mm -hmm. if you uh if you knew me as as well as a lot of my friends knew me like i don't take any prisoners mm -hmm. like i don't take any nonsense off of people people have, have have clocked that when i'm in the same room as him or or or, or he, he sent me sort of a passive aggressive text or whatever i crumble and i still do to this day and it's really strange so the long-term mental health damage that that's kind of done will never go away it's just how do i learn to live with that now mm -hmm. as an adult yeah and although you do have a relationship with him now and you're saying that he still kind of has that hold over you in a way where you do feel like that scared little boy and you have also spoken about just their your relationships or how your relationship with your father has had an effect on you know possible relationships with mm -hmm. men and stuff yeah what kind of so if you were to explain yourself like to a date would you just be completely guarded is that the way you come off like do you know that you're being guarded the walls are up you it takes a wee while to kind of break you know those walls down layer by layer yeah yeah and to be honest they've not been down in a long time okay. um they i'm very dismissive of the relationships with men romantically mm -hmm. completely because i'm just like i'm not i'm not i'm taking control of a situation that i, I i've never really been in as a child i wasn't in control no. of the relationship between father and son so now i'm taking the i'm taking the control of other sort of poignant men in my life yeah does that make sense yeah, it, yeah of course it's, it's um it's a really tricky one and I don't want to. I don't want it to come across as all of my problems lie here. No. But it's a massive part of yeah. of, of 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 who I am and my out. So, uh, I mean, just quickly, my 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 father became really unwell. Obviously, he's in his he's in his seventies now. He's seventy. I don't know how old he is. Seventy something. He became very unwell. Uh, my brother and I sort of rallied around him. We'd kind of made our peace, and we'd all kind of forgiven each other and it was all it was all nicey nicey and then he got better instead of being like oh this is amazing that he's made a full recovery i felt so guilty because i was just like right i've made my peace with him now like i'm kind of ready for it to be the end which yeah. sounds awful um and not the end of him but the end of like that trauma I'd, I'd kind of put it in a box and uh -huh. we kind of we dealt with it and then he became well again and he just went back to who he was before okay. so all the all the apologies and all the oh I'm not going to do that again and I realized that I've done this and I've not been the best at this and yeah. um, don't get me wrong I've been no angel when I was a teenager in this no. situation but he still to this day is a strong shadow that sort of sits in my mind all the time yeah 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 <laughs> and the thing is as well like hearing the, your relationship with your father I you know growing up as a young boy me and my father were always our I always felt distant from him and I knew that that was purely because we didn't really have a lot in common apart from swimming because I was a, a competitive swimmer yeah but, you know that was the only sport I was interested in 
And I knew, you know, I knew I I was... Aren't you a personal trainer? Am I a personal trainer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're really into sport now. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. But I'd always been interested in swimming, but that was the only sport that I was that I was keen on and I knew from like a, a young age like from the age of five that I was gay and obviously yeah. didn't understand the term didn't really understand mm-hmm. what it was all about For but sure. I knew that I fancied boys and my whole kind of existence of from being like a young boy to the time I came out was living in fear of not just hiding who I was from everybody but my dad finding out in particular Yeah, because he is he was never don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing him to your dad at all. My dad was just very, he didn't show his emotions and it was a historic thing because his dad didn't show him emotion. So my dad, and also I have to really you know, say and make it clear that my dad had his own issues with PTSD, which I didn't know anything about because he yeah. didn't know about PTSD because in those days it was shell shock and there was absolutely zero treatment or there was little treatment. Yeah. So as a teenager growing up, it was almost like, why is this man the way he is? But mm-hmm. also, I know that I am hiding a big part of myself from him because I'm terrified of how he's going to take it and what will come after it sort of thing. And how, how was it taken? So I didn't come out until I was 21. And I kind of got to a point where I was like, it was almost like a, a pressure cooker. And it was, mm. I can't really remember when it was but I remember it was winter and I just thought to myself I have to do it so my mum I knew my mum would be fine mum's kind of I don't know I've got a feeling that mum's kind of no <laughs> mine's definitely 100%. did yeah 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 definitely. so I kind of knew that she would never have any issue with it my dad didn't take it well at first however it was two days later he came in and he worked really early in the morning and he came in and he said to me he woke me up before he went to work and said, I love you no matter what, and I don't care who you are or what you are, I will always love you. But I couldn't remember because I thought, when I woke up, I was like, was that a dream? Or, you know, did that actually yeah. happen? And and then over the years, it just basically got better and better to the point where the difference between our dads, maybe it sounds like, is the older my dad has got, the more progressive he's got, but also the more chilled out he's got. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I swear to God, like my dad. So my sister is there's like 12, 13 years between us. So I was okay. My my mom and dad were in like thirty five when they had me. So um, there's fourteen years, thirteen years between me and my, my siblings, and they got an even worse version, or a, a, a not a worse version. They got a different version of my dad, where he was a lot more strict. But you know, over the years, the difference that I've seen is in my perspective of him as a boy and as a teenager to now it's completely different it's like night and day it's not the same I mean that's that's amazing and I think as well I think what we forget as well is although we're growing up and I'm not making excuses for anyone's behaviour but as we're growing up like our parents are growing up as well yeah totally there's no manual of how to no. to do it although to be fair my, my dad did have a family before us so we were we should have been like Amazing. There's no <laughs> the trial run was done. Yeah. So he, <laughs> I was I'm the youngest of, of all of his children. Uh so by that point Of course it should have been it should have been perfect. But um You know, there's no manual that comes with it, but you there's definitely things that parents should know and know what to do and what not to do. Do you know that's just like 
sure. That's a given. You know, you don't. You shouldn't be reading like a, a manual on how to be a parent sort of thing. Yeah. And there's a million times people have said to me, "Why don't you cut him off then? Why don't yeah. you? Why don't you not speak to him?" Because that's not the way that I want to do things. I mm. want to know that I have given kindness, courtesy. I've given him a lot back, and when the inevitable does happen. At least you know you've done that. I know that I've done everything. I'm not going to sit there and regret. No, of course. That, oh, I should have done this or I should, oh, I should have tried harder. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for, for sure. And, and relationships are very complicated, but this one in, in particular has held a poignant point in my life point and still life. does to um, today. Well, so obviously there's an effect on like relationships that you'll have. Mm. But in what other areas would you say that it's had a, an effect on you? Um, Just so, I don't know, it's just there. It sounds, it's really hard to explain. It's just like, he's just there. He's there. All the time. Mm-hmm. I find myself being really irrational, even to this day, even when I think that I'm quite a rational human being and I'm coping with stuff and I've got my coping strategy strategy I can't even say that word strategy you know I mean? yeah that's the one <laughs> um even now sometimes if I'm not in the right frame of mind and he sort of texts me uh, he's very manipulative so yeah. what he'll try and do is he'll try and get information from me usually about my mother they they've not spoken for a long time uh, he's very bitter about that and, and and I mean they split up in 2002 or something and I think his life kind of stopped then and he still feels like it was yesterday so we'll try and extract all this information out of me but i never tell him anything because it's all doom and gloom it's all like oh dad i've 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 got a new job oh well well you better you better make sure that you get paid all right it's not like oh congratulations well done or nothing's ever really supported and that just sounds like his personality for sure and uh, do you know what my biggest fear is Mm -hmm. what turning into him yeah but I think I've heard a lot of guys say this as well and you know how you said you when I asked a question about your dad's kind of history mm. and, and how he he was or if there was any contributing factors and you said he could have easily have broke the cycle well yeah you have maybe done that because you haven't turned into him so have you ever looked yeah. at it that way yeah definitely I, I feel like I've, I've probably missed out on some things because of it um I've I've actively chosen not to have children yeah because I don't want to I don't want to be that I don't want to be that dad okay. I don't want to be that person I'm half of him do you know yeah. what I mean like it's there uh sometimes I say things I'm like oh god <laughs> that, I think that, we're all guilty of that <laughs> that's definitely something that he would say but yeah in 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 turn uh, I don't know I I de- I'm definitely my father's son there are definitely traits that I have that have come down that line like I yeah. don't I don't take any prisoners do you know what I mean yeah, like, of I course. don't I won't take any nonsense off of people but in turn that sort of affects my ability to open up and actually allow myself to have those relationships or have those positive experiences because I just I just shut it down yeah. straight away. It's something that I'm going to have to deal with for a long time. Can forever. I ask, is that almost similar to like a fear of rejection? Mm, 100%. Guess? I mean, I'm going to talk about later about LGBTQ, about the community and where well, I we'll fit in. we talk about that next. Links, yeah. links in. It's kind of a good link there. Yeah, there you go, yeah, like a little segue. That, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I like it. So, obviously I am 
Gay. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my god, shock horror. I know, I know. I am <laughs> horrified, I'm sure. If my dad was listening, I'm, I will not be sending him the link to this. <laughs> um, you know what? Maybe it'd be healing. Not. It will. Oh my god, no. There'd be rage. Absolute <laughs> rage. So I came out when I was about 14, so I was quite young. Oh, that's right. Um, really but then I came back in again. Okay. And then I came back out. Okay. Repeat about 10 times. You came <laughs> in and out 10 times? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I So I've been. God, you must multiple... have known Narnia really well. Mm, say that again. <laughs> I said you must have known Narnia very well. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. I did. Me and. Um, and in Tum- that closet, Tum- yeah. Whatever his name is. I was trying to make a joke there. It landed flat. Let's ignore that. <laughs> Edit that out. So I, I've been multiple uh, sort of kind of people in this community. Okay. So um, I have been the out and proud gay lad, mm-hmm. like waving the flag, like sort of pulling people up on their language and their behaviour and stuff. But I've also, uh, and probably more so, been the guy that has massive internalised homophobia built inside me. And it is a battle that I wage regularly. So sometimes I feel really liberal and I feel very proud to be who I am. And other times I find myself wincing and cringing and trying to sort of almost go back in the closet again. To this day? To this very day, I've got a very strange uh, relationship with my sexuality. Can I ask Um, a quick question? Is mm, there anything, just purely because I know, again, a few people who are probably very similar to yourself, Mm. one of the questions is, is there anything that kind of makes you almost feel like, I can't remember what you just said, but, you know, that way where you don't want to... Be really known as like an out and proud gay like man. Internalized, internalized, yeah. So where does that internalized homophobia come from? Is it is it some is it something that happens? Is it is it an event? Is it you know uh, how you're feeling? Is it your mood? Yeah, I don't. Do you not I know? Don't ever, I don't really know where it comes from. I I never wanted to be gay. Yeah. Ever. Uh-huh. I was brought up under the age uh, under the legislation of like section twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For so anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's yeah. basically the. Uh, uh, the Tory government under Thatcher put it was basically a uh, a criminal offence to teach homosexuality and same sex relationships at school Mm -hmm. Uh, that was lifted in 2003 which is I I left school in 2002 so the whole time I was at school uh, we were kind of it was kind of just we just don't talk about it just don't talk about it this is this is sort of like the perfect norm Mm-hmm. And this is this is how successful people, and this is how normal people are. Uh, but we don't talk about the alternative. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So there was all the, again this cloud that kind of sat on my shoulder mm. of, well, no, it's 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 dirty. It's yeah, wrong. Don't it's talk not about normal. it. And I was speaking to a couple of people that I work with who are like the Gen Z crew who kind of get a little bit irate with me because they're just like, well, I don't get it. I don't get why you're not out and proud and and you're living in a a country that's very liberal at the moment. And I'm just like, but we were in that transitional phase between the guys that were kind of uh, the generation before us in the the 80s and early 90s when they were adults were like proper on the picket line and fighting for rights. Uh, Whereas we were kind of like the nothing generation and then Gen Z have kind of like 
amped it up like massively and they're enjoying the rewards of the generation before us so i kind of feel like i sit in this lost mm. weird transition era of what it's like to be gay in britain so <laughs> does yeah. that make sense yeah i mean it does i suppose it does in a way and i think kind of maybe deal deal with it at different speeds at different times yeah i think there's loads of guys and i think you're definitely most definitely not the only person that i've spoken to or gay person i've spoken to who has had some sort of internalized homophobia i think that it is actually quite common within the community and Again, people maybe don't want to talk about it because they don't want to admit it. Because <laughs> as soon as well, this is it. Because as well, I I, I kind of chose this topic again because we don't talk about it, and when you do talk about it, often you're shot down. Yeah, or you're I accused. Find. You're accused of being just like you know oh, not I've, a supporter of the community and absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I've I've been told many a time that um, normally by straight women <laughs> that um, I should be enjoying it and I should be out and proud and I should be at pride and I should do all these things and stuff but I I'm not there well yeah you're you're not there yet but that doesn't mean to say that you can't be there at some point no for sure for sure and I, I, I again like when we were being brought up like I didn't really know any gay people like, no I, just, I didn't and there was a so the only gay people that you knew on telly were were extremely the word probably isn't correct now but what we used to say is 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 they were very camp they were yeah. very effeminate like and I just assumed that's what you had to be like mm-hmm. the Graham Nortons and the Lily Savages of like, mm-hmm. the world I assumed that's what you had to be like yeah. I didn't realise there was an alternative so for a while I, I fell into that category like mm-hmm. I, I, I would deliberately make myself more effeminate because that's what I thought I had to be okay <laughs> so and then I realised you didn't have to be like that and then I had this 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 onslaught of coming in coming out coming in coming out it's <sighs> I mean, I've never been the best ambassador of LGBTQ plus events, rights, culture at all. It doesn't mean that I don't support it at all. I'm, I'm, I'm part of that community. I just, I very much sit on the sideline of it all because I don't shout from the rooftops. I sometimes feel like I get shunned by the community, but then I also get shunned by the heterosexual community as well because I don't fit into either of the, the categories. So again, yeah, I just sit on these... I sit on these sidelines and when I try and talk about it, I'm often sort of shamed and silenced. I try not to Im- uh, like immerse myself or engage really in conversations because when I, when I have tried to, I just get shut down. Yeah, and I think that's so, a shame. I really do because as an out and proud gay man myself and also identify as gay and I have had internal battles for years, I think a lot of... The reason why I am the way I am is because I kind of met my ex when I was 28, so I was quite young mm. and quite lucky in a way that I had met somebody who was older than me, who actually sure. educated me a lot about our community, and mm. we were together for, you know, for eight years. Within that eight years, he was able to kind of guide me and shape me, not just in, as a person, but also within, like, educating me about uh, LGBTQ plus rights, also about politics actually quite a lot of everything in general so I was quite lucky and I do feel like I was lucky that I did have that guidance and I don't know whether maybe if that hadn't happened and I had spent you know because at that point in my life I was just had moved to Glasgow well I had been up in Glasgow a few years sorry before I met him 
spent years trying to kind of fit in, trying to find my tribe, partying, doing things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. But it's yeah, like, we've, all, we've all done it. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. you know, and it was just an escapism and stuff. So I don't know if maybe I hadn't had that opportunity of meeting him. Would I have been a different type of person? Just we, you just never know. The point I'm trying to make is, is if I was to have somebody who came to me had a different belief to me, I wouldn't shut them down. I would rather just th- have try and sit down, have a conversation, and say, right, tell me why is it you feel the way you do, and just kind of have that honest and open and frank conversation, and a maybe uncomfortable conversation, because that's the only way you're going to get, I think, to a resolution is by having them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it doesn't help that I've had a string of not so great relationships. Yeah, so I kind of, I kind of always revert like, back to uh, that. You give these sweeping statements. You're like, oh, they're all like that, and they all do this, and they all do that, and which is completely untrue because that's tarring everybody with the same brush, which is is yeah. is, is not true. I have I have tried. Um, I mean, again, I mean, this is. This is a horror story for you. So I was um, one of the times where I was feeling quite confident in myself. Like I'd lost a lot of weight. I toned up. Like I was. I was feeling good about myself. Like I'm. I'm a bit of an emo, right? So like I kind of had like a, a glow up kind of moment where I had <laughs> someone else did like did my hair. I was kind of like I was wearing all like Dolce and Cabana and stuff like that. Like stuff that I I never would have touched before. And I was feeling good. I was feeling. I was quite sexy. Like I was feeling good, right? So I went to this nightclub. Uh, in Luton of all places and if you don't know Luton it's dire no. <laughs> so to this gay bar and I was having such a nice time there was people there that I'd not seen for a, like a long time I was having the best time of my life and I was just like oh, th- uh, do you know what maybe this is this is the moment that I sort of it tips the scales and it's uh, I finally can feel like I found my tribe like you say mm-hmm. Um, I left the nightclub and got beaten up. Okay. <laughs> so um, it was almost like, oh, okay, so that's what happens yeah. when you go to gay bars and you are just another pretty boy that walks out mm-hmm. and stuff. And then after that, uh, my mental health dipped. Yeah, I can massively. imagine. I, all the weight that I'd lost, I piled back on again. I grew my hair long again. I didn't really look after myself. Like I was just... I was just a mess, to be honest. And yeah, so it, it wasn't great. And kind of after that point, I, I, I kind of, I dabbled, do you know what I mean? I, I sort of, I've, I've been to Polo in Glasgow, like I got chucked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah, I, I just, I, ever since that point, I've been very wary Aye. of it all. And I don't, I don't want to exclude who I am. Like, it's horrible. You torture yourself, like, constantly. Yeah. Like, I quite often sit in the in the car driving to work. I was like, what would my, like, my life have been like if I wasn't gay? Yeah. Would I have had a wife? Would I have had children? Would I be more financially stable? Do you know what I mean? All these things that... It's nonsense because it's not my life. No. But I, I sometimes find being gay quite lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've probably done that to myself as well I've, uh, by taking myself away from those uh, situations but I know for a fact uh, people that do embrace the LGBTQ plus lifestyle who are single and gay some of them still feel very lonely so whilst I have, have taken myself back I also know LGBTQ people are more likely to suffer from mental health yeah, of course. issues as well so it's 
again it's one of those battles that i'm probably going to have to have for a long time but if you were to ask me the question if you had the choice would you be gay or straight i wouldn't choose gay all oh, right okay yeah which is sad isn't it it's, I, it's, I, it's I mean i suppose in a way it is you can't change it like you said it is who you are i mean if if somebody had asked me 10 15 years ago if there was a straight pill that you could take that would turn you straight would have taken it yes I probably would have but that was because I was really immature there was still learning I was still growing but now 39 I wouldn't change it at all and I had had a conversation with someone today and they were talking about internalised homophobia and about being gay and stuff and they were saying I don't know if I would if I would want to be straight it's, it's not great because you can't change it but at the same time it's at least you're being honest you know yeah, and, and it's I about think, no yes. I don't think so I don't believe that <laughs> <laughs> at all. I don't. I, I'm a great believer in like, not to be cliche, but I do think that I have seen it in myself and other people that change can happen. Oh, for sure. And 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 throughout life, we're we're a million different people. Of course. Like we're always evolving. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely, I, I I completely agree. But it's very, uh, it's although it's quite uncomfortable to talk about. It's quite liberating to talk mm-hmm. about and not be shut down because oh, that's no, normally no, what no. happens. No, no, no. Um, or people just sort of fob you off a little bit. Like, oh, don't be silly. Like, don't be. I'm just like you're invalidating what I feel, yeah, and of I course. can't help. I can't help that I feel like that. I probably don't do anything to particularly help the situation. Uh, I mean, I'm not as. I don't drink or anything. I'll I'll get onto that whole substance abuse crap later but I don't drink or anything now and very much social based mm-hmm. I find uh, not only gay spaces but adult spaces in general you, you're sad you go to the pub you're happy you mm-hmm. go to the pub you want to let off steam you go and dance till five in the morning yeah. I can't be bothered yeah. <laughs> yeah. to do that so I need another outlet somewhere of being around like-minded or maybe not like-minded because we'd all end up in a pit of doom but maybe (laughs) a social situation where it isn't all based around drink drugs and sex yeah yeah of course absolutely so are you are you all thoroughly depressed now no absolutely (laughs) not no and the one thing i'm going to mention is and i think this is really important is that if anybody listens to this and they disagree with what either of us have said then do not do not mention anything in the comments do not send either one of us any type of hate because we are all entitled to an opinion we're all entitled to feel validated and the way that we as humans we are we all perfect absolutely not so if you're listening you're thinking to yourself what you say there are people invalidating you if there is somebody listening to this, well, why is he feeling the way he is? Well, maybe you should be asking yourself why you feel the way you do about things. I'm just trying to clarify. I just do not want anybody to People to be... can be horrendous on the yes, internet. Yes, but they? they can. <laughs> but I just... That, it's, like, it's like the complete opposite as to why I want to do this podcast. It's, yeah. just, it's The reason why I wanted to do it was so that we could talk about absolutely anything. But also, it's a safe space to talk about anything without judgment Love- or fear of judgment, you know? Mm. I'm actually hoping by me saying that and being quite open, open and honest that actually some people might it might resonate with some of course like, and oh, I think god, it will. oh god he feels like that as well like absolutely um, but, um I don't want it to invalidate anyone who doesn't feel like that I just no. want it to validate people who do no. so I'm not dissing anybody's lifestyle absolutely not all. 
and I don't think you have um, I don't think sure. you have at all and yeah I would be the first to say that you haven't one bit Can't, from that cancel. whole conversation Get and off. you've definitely no we're how far are we in yeah we've got time for just a another topic but I am thoroughly enjoying it still not depressed I'm happy and ready to hear the next part so. wonderful wonderful <laughs> well I'll, I'll, I'll skip over one quickly because there's there's two that I want to mention so I'll skip over this one really quickly so I was uh, I was talking about alcohol and substance yeah, yeah, abuse yeah, yeah. which kind of links in maybe why I stay away from like the bars and the clubs and all of that kind of stuff so I think when we're younger and as adults like alcohol is very much is, is available it's a social thing mm-hmm. like if you don't drink you're boring and, mm-hmm. and uh, all right. that, you, you're sort of egged on to to booze booze and I never I didn't really start drinking until I was like 19 like I wasn't mm-hmm. one of those people that kind of sat in the park and had like a drink but when I did start drinking I took it to the extreme to the oh. point where when I used to flat share with people they would have to hide the alcohol from mm-hmm. me because I would drink it if it was there I would drink it mm-hmm. not only booze there was drugs involved as well I was very much well I need to have drugs to have fun and I, I'm not a, it probably doesn't come across now but I'm not an overly confident person day to day life and having this sort of substance in me kind of give you kind that of gives me that boost yes. Yeah. But it got to the point where it was just making me ill. It wasn't. It wasn't the night out that I was having a problem with. It was the recovery time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it was. Oh, well, how can they can do this, that, and the other, and they can be fine, and I'm sitting here wallowing in self pity. And it got to the point where I had to. I had to cut off some friends that were. I kind of had to cut all that out because I was just like, do you know what? I can't keep doing this because mm-hmm. I won't be alive long enough nope. to continue to live my life. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of did a, a, a 360. And people take the mickey out of me now as in, in jest that I'm a bit of an old man and I, I sort of go and I, I go around heritage sites and I go for walks yeah. in country parks and I um, I sit and read a book and stuff and they're like, oh God, what happened to you? Like, yeah. what, ha- what happened to me is I decided to save my life yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. without telling people how bad it got. And it yeah. was a hard slog, man. Like, I, yeah. I I will still have a pint or two now. Okay. Uh, I normally make sure that I drive everywhere, so I I can't because I I just can't stop once I start. So actually, it's it's best to sort of take take that away from take the temptation away. Yeah, for sure. And my mental health is massively triggered by alcohol yeah. and drugs. And uh, I think probably a lot of people that are listening probably realise that they maybe drink too much or mm-hmm. they've done too much, and actually it doesn't make them feel very good about themselves. Um, Absolutely. And my advice would be if people sort of don't support you in that like seriously it's, it's all right having a laugh and stuff but if people really sort of pull away from you when you kind of you need to save yourself then they're not they're not your friends <laughs> so, absolutely um, absolutely and people will support you no matter what what the thing is like i identify as you know a sober person now because you know i'm not going to go into it i mean I've kind of been honest and open and I might do a wee podcast on my own actually um, mm. about sobriety I, sure. I, or speak to you know somebody who also identifies as sober the one thing is when I became sober I it was during lockdown so I kind of had an easier time of it but the one thing that was 
liberating in a way was people would I was lucky in the fact that my friends celebrated it so I never really had anybody that was like against it and I think I was just due to my age and I think it was due to like the maturity I do levels. think when you get older people do respect it a little oh bit. yeah but I do still get the questions you know like are you an alcoholic and I'll go yes and then it's like their face kind of drops because they don't know what else you know to see after it sort of thing you know there's like, like I think they think it's a joke and I'm like oh no I am but I mean I'm completely honest about it also as well you know if somebody says to me why don't you drink I'll be completely honest and I'll just tell them why I'll be like you know I've had far too much of a battle with alcohol to go back and I'm do you find people not. leave you alone there because they don't want to have the un- uncomfortable conversation <laughs> um, I don't, <laughs> they're like okay bye do you know I, I, do you know what I think I've been just extremely lucky I think I don't know whether I've Great. just got supportive people in my life or people that I meet are really open and progressive like mm. I, I, just, I just don't know but I've never really had to defend it or feel like I've ever had to explain it but I will if people ask what I do get is and like you said the listeners that will be tuning in they might think to themselves within our community which I think is a big thing is people tend to drink to have a good time or to give a confidence boost or to come across as having fun also the flip side of that is I have seen people ruining their lives because mm. they think that their friends are their friends, but really they are just users. They they treat them like dancing monkeys, you know. Oh, and it's almost put on like as a show. As let's see what damage this person can do to themselves tonight. If I ever had a friend, I would take a really big look at myself and be like, "What the fuck is wrong with me?" So yeah, if there's any listeners out there and you do feel like you want to change your lifestyle, if you do feel like you don't, you're drinking too much and you need help. If you feel like there's people in your life who won't support you i tell you get rid because there's plenty of people out there who will support mm-hmm. you and will have your back and there's plenty of support as well groups so if you would have told me a good few years ago that i would be doing what i'm doing now and living a, a 99.9 sober lifestyle i would have literally laughed in your face me too. I, would, I didn't i didn't believe that i had the strength in me to do it and mm-hmm. it is a hard slog and the temptation is always there it is it's sure. always there and it's a daily um, battle because people say to me as well one thing that people will always say is because that's two and a half years and you know people will say oh it must be a lot easier now and i'm like no it's still a daily battle but mm-hmm. one thing is they're not as bad as what they used to be at the beginning it was daily battles whereas now well, you replace it with yeah and i think you know you replace it with like exercise like or fitness, or, or fitness or, yeah for yeah. sure you know but it's healthier in a way and mm. I've got an, an addictive personality so sometimes I do I kind of have to catch myself and go right <laughs> calm down a, a bit for yeah for sure you, for you sure. just calm down a bit and I've I got... think it's a, it, it's a very British thing as well yeah. like uh, and I'm sure no one will mind me saying this but when I moved to Scotland uh, it's a massive I culture thought, I thought England was bad no. but no, 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 no. this is this is next level oh, stuff totally up north of the border is, yep for sure, and I was trying to keep up, man. Mm-hmm. I could not keep up, and I still can't keep up to this to this very day. Not not that I would want to, because no. I'm, I'm a changed man. But <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, uh, substance and mental mm-hmm. health is a massive yeah, absolutely. Thing. And the thing is, as well, it's like you know, I want to just make it clear as well as you know, there's this myth that as soon as you clean up your lifestyle or you clean up your act or you become sober, blah blah blah, that your mental health automatically gets better it doesn't but what it does is it does help you kind of have more of a clearer objective yeah it clears the haze away it does it completely and one thing that i do not miss is it's two words that are put together it's like a hangover and the fear 
uh, there's a word we use but it's basically that fear of we used to call it booze gloom yeah so is there's like a Scottish version of it which has just completely gone out of my head but I don't miss that at all that no. three or four days after it isn't completely... it so nice waking up on a Sunday morning yeah like, oh I'm okay yeah I, I, <laughs> like, like waking I'm up yeah waking up at the weekends but even daily just waking up with a hangover is just absolutely fantastic however do you know what see if you want to drink and you like or not I don't know anybody that likes hangovers but have fun we're not saying not having fun but I'm yeah, just saying personally. Don't have any fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. If I just... I'm not having fun, no one else is having fun. <laughs> no, I definitely don't miss the hangovers. But yeah, it's it's definitely a prevalent thing in the community. But also as well, like you said, a culture, a Scottish culture, a British culture thing. Just also worth mentioning, not to repeat ourselves, but yeah, there definitely is help out there so give us a shout and I'll put you in touch. I've got time for one more really quickly. Yeah, yeah, a wee quick one, yep. Fine. Okay. So the so society and mental health. I like it how I've like named them all like they're chapters <laughs> of a book. So my book will be coming out soon. No, so there's a lot of society uh, societal pressure on a lot of people, and I think for a long time I always thought that I was wired slightly differently. So why was it just me that was struggling with how unfair like society seemed and yeah uh why was it me that was seemed to be the only one that wasn't uh accepting the status quo and uh why was it me that just could see that everything was measured by wealth and position and power and all this kind of stuff and i just honestly i thought i was the only one that was getting it i didn't understand why the playing field wasn't fair or level equal i didn't understand why your life will take a completely different course depending on where you were born or who you were born to at what time you were born in it just all seemed so un fair but no one was talking about it we're kind of always told to to work hard and better yourself and then work harder and no that's not good enough work some work some work some more um and it's your fault that you have no money it's your fault that you struggle it's Mm -hmm. it's your fault that you've been given this direction in life a relationship and it only tweaked to me not even that long ago that actually we're it's complete and utter nonsense all of it (laughs) all of these societal constructs are just we we forget to enjoy who we are now there's nothing wrong with improving yourself or wanting to do better better but people don't enjoy the moment Mm -hmm. because they're too busy of what's next work harder right why are you not happy you need to do this because you're not happy um and the way uh, so at, at school it's almost everything that you do wrong is pointed out to you mm-hmm. all the time oh you, you could have done that better and i think actually that's that does cause some long-term damage in people mm-hmm. and it knocks people's confidence yeah definitely. like success is measured in in a variety of ways depending on who you're talking to that's so true. whereas somebody uh, will say right you need to be a manager you need to be high up in a company or you need to have bought 10 houses by this point the mold doesn't fit everyone no. but there only seems to be one mold that society as a whole accepts so if you don't fit into that then you've failed over time that's going to knock your confidence and i, I realized this i was i was quite poor uh, but i 
when when I was a kid and I, I was brought up in a very affluent, wealthy area, like the home counties just off London. It was very leafy, it was green, it was rich, it was pleasant. And I don't even, I don't know if that made it worse because I was a poor person looking at all of this mm-hmm. niceness and this richness. And it was, it, it just seemed unachievable to get to that point. You were told, work hard, you'll get more. It's not the case. Some of the people that I know that work the hardest don't ever get things given to them. No. So it's it's this pressure that's put on you by society. And when I sort of reflected on that and I looked back and I was just like, Do you know what, actually, I'm never going to own a £2 million house. Those goals are unreachable for me. So actually, I need to construct my own societal norms and that's what i started doing what i'm trying to say is follow your own path do you know what i mean like we get so wrapped up in where we should be at points in our lives and that can really trigger people's mental health and i sort of had an epiphany when i was just like do you know what actually i'm not that person so i'm not going to compare myself to that person and i'm doing what i need to do point that i need to do it couldn't agree more if you can get some joy or some coping mechanism about out of any of the topics that I may have mentioned or any of the topics that are important to you, mm-hmm. do it. Like mm-hmm. no one knows how long we've got here. No. And as I said, I may I may sound quite confident on this podcast. I'm not in the same room as you. I'm no. in my own space. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I, I can do that. I can hold a conversation and stuff. I the, I will come away from this feeling quite drained mm-hmm. and it will take me a few hours to sort of pick myself back up again. Yeah. Just because somebody maybe comes across as they're doing okay and they're doing all right. Doesn't mean they are. It doesn't mean they are. No. So just be kind yeah. and check in with people. And don't don't dis discourage or invalidate what people are saying no. that is the worst thing that anyone can do if somebody sort of says oh well, no you're just being silly that shuts down a conversation that could potentially save somebody's life i know yeah be kind to each other and basically i'm just going to repeat what you've just said you know don't invalidate someone be kind to each other and look out for each other mental health is uncomfortable to talk about and it makes people uncomfortable and i know it does when you but, say to somebody yeah. you're feeling you're feeling suicidal or yeah. you're feeling not well people seize up because they mm-hmm. don't know what to do or mm-hmm. what to say but sometimes you don't need to say anything just exactly. be there to listen um don't try and fix it for people no no just listen just listen yeah be there i think we'll end it there but one thing i will say is you know thank you so much for coming on as a guest i hope to meet you one day in person i am sure that we will definitely keep in touch and i'm sure you'll be back on at some point because there'll be more things to talk about so you're more than welcome to come back on but yeah thank you so much it's been a pleasure thanks so much for having me honestly this is an amazing space for people so thank you very much ollie and i shall speak to you soon next week we will have someone else on i'm not actually quite sure who it is yet but you know me i'll find somebody it's uh, me again. <laughs> yeah actually he doesn't know it but yeah it's ollie i'm Go just on. actually taking over the podcast now it's mine <laughs> yeah that's what he thinks uh, but yeah so uh tune in next week take care of each other and speak to you later bye so everyone, that was this week's episode of Your Right Pal by me, Roscoe Burns. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. The intro and outro music is brought to you by Laundry on the Wire 
by Holenzinka CC0. I've been your host Roscoe Burns and as always, look out for one another, look after yourself and remember, you're never alone. Just want to say thank you so much for listening and remember and never forget, there's always support, alright?